0: I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This is the Ash London Podcast. I am, you guessed it, Ash London. Reformed radio host, new mum and human being on a quest to live my best life when it feels like the world around me is imploding. Sound familiar? Every Tuesday, we do a bit of mum chat. Every Thursday, I do my favourite thing on the planet and I interview a guest. From celebrities who have entertained us over the craziness of the last two years to everyday people with inspiring stories. This is the Ash London Podcast. Happy Thursday, my loves. This has been a huge week of podcasts. Yesterday, I released the bonus episode entitled, Hey Google, Why Do I Feel Sad When I Breastfeed." About a little known condition that affects 9% of lactating women, myself included. Here I am on a podcast using the words lactating women. Life has changed. But if stories from behind the magical curtain of radio between two ex radio veterans, can I call myself a veteran? I just did, uh, is more your style, then you've come to the right place today. And I am so excited for today's guest. So sometimes in life, there are people in your sphere that you not only like, but you admire. For me personally, I really admire Alex Dyson, and I always have. What do I admire about him? Well, he's a great mix of super smart, but also relatable. He hangs out with the cool kids, but never makes you feel like he's too cool. And as a broadcaster, I am genuinely jealous of his skills. I've known Alex for a decade nearly, which is in itself insanity. At one point, we even lived in the same suburb in Brunswick and often met up at the local bakery for a yarn and a pie. For the second time, this year Alex announced he's running for parliament for his home electorate of Wannan in Victoria. Classic Alex. While we all bitch about politics on Twitter, he rolls up his sleeves and tries to do something about it. You might know him from Triple J Brekkie, where he presented for seven years, or from his podcast, Matt and Alex All Day Brekkie, with the legend that is Matt O'Kine. I know him as beautiful human, my bro, Alex Dyson.
1: Hello Ash London, thank you for having me on your podcast.
0: You look very handsome, I like your haircut, it's like your hair's kind of like in your face or like sexy like.
1: Oh, thank you very much, yeah, I've got the uh, the old swoop going on. I've had to up my haircuts getting regimen, like I'm traditionally, I'm a cut short, grow long, you know, have this time spaced out. I mean, a a mutual friend of ours, someone you used to work very closely with, Mr Scott Tweedy, once told me that he got his hair cut every two
0: weeks. I do remember that, every (laughs) two weeks. And I think he was getting it SponCon, so he Instagrammed every time he got it, so it felt like it was every week. I don't think it's barely,
1: that's a millimetre difference.
0: Yeah, but when you're Tweedy and... So much of what you're offering is how good-looking you are, I mean.
1: <laughs> no, shout-outs. I'm sure he's listening to this, supporting, supporting his pals. Big fan, and I, big uh, fan. He's, he's one of the great men. But um, I, can't, I can remember just being absolutely astounded by that. And I think now that I'm running for parliament, that I need to go a little bit more that direction. But um, no, I don't think I'll make it to two weeks.
0: No, yeah, we we'll I mean, That's too far because if someone found that out, they'd be like, oh, newly elected MP for one and Alex Dyson gets a haircut every two weeks.
1: A way I could get away with it, I reckon, Ash, is because a lot of the gossiping gets done in the chair. Okay. And we saw recently with the Prime Minister, yeah. you know, one of his first stops on an election campaign is to head down the so salon awkward. and start dishing out head massage. So
0: <laughs> awkward. Like, My co could...
1: host on All Day Breakfast said, Oh, no, it was about the ukulele, but I think it applies for both. You so finally realized it's possible to die of cringing by looking at these things. That's so bad. It's.
0: Well, before we get into the politics stuff, I do feel like we need to, because you you reminded me of this talking about our mutual friend, Scott Tweedy, is that the way we kind of became friends, and I'm going to say this was like eight years ago at this point, was a trip to Bali where we had rented the bougiest villa of all time, like bougie even for Bali standards. Mm. And what a strange crew we were, because I was there, Tweedy was there, Lincoln Lewis was there and you were there and you'll have to tell everybody why at the end of the trip we heard screams of agony coming from your bedroom upstairs.
1: Well, it, there wasn't a single hair out of place at this yep. villa, okay? No expenses except for a single tile in the pool which had which was broken yes. and I happened to put my foot on it and slice my toe open. <laughs> right, so on two days from the end, I was there in agony as the doctor came in and was trying to antiseptic my toe, which I cut in the pool. But I'm pretty sure, like, to this day, I think that doctor scraped all the nerves from my big toe to a clump in a little crease between my foot and toe. And so I've got a numb toe since that trip. Yeah. That's also the trip where I heard the, you know, the First World Problems meme Um, I don't make many memes, but I heard the best phrase to put on a First World Problems meme. meme. And it came from the mouth of one Ash London (laughs) who was lying on an inflatable pool ring or toy, okay, in this villa, okay, (laughs) just floating very slowly, okay, just arms and legs lazing in the water, and then uttered out loud, oh, damn it. I wanted to get a manicure, but my fingernails are too soft from laying in the pool for so long.
0: <laughs> that
1: would be now. annoying. My fingernails are too soft from lounging in the pool for so <laughs> long. They couldn't so file long.
0: them. They'd be like paper.
1: Oh, yeah. gosh, that does yeah. sound
0: like me, especially back yeah. then when I had no real life problems, as opposed to now, where I have currently can hear my baby You know, whining in the other room. How's mum life
1: treating
0: you? Great question. Um, It is, how do I describe it? It is the single greatest thing I've ever done, the greatest experience of my life. It's also the hardest and the most monotonous. So Mm. it's this crazy mix of every day I wake up and I generally know exactly what I'm going to be doing, like minute to minute, Mm. but also... Everything else I've ever done pales in comparison. So it's weird, but it's great. And I absolutely love it. And I really can't complain. It's so good. Thank you for asking. He's very cute. And I am biased, but I feel like even if he wasn't my baby, I would all like, I would think he was incredibly cute.
1: How do you go with other people's babies? I mean, they pale in comparison to yours, obviously. Well, I know um... when
0: other people's babies are not cute.
1: Right. I know.
0: I'm I'm not that kind of person. Oh, babies are cute. No, 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 no. I know. And then often we'll meet a baby and then afterwards Adrian and I will look at each other and be like, that baby was not cute. but No, no,
1: no, 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 no. no. You just got to say that baby had a great personality. Yeah, you find
0: something. (laughs) Look at his fat thighs. You just make an observation about the baby that's, you know, true but Mm. not positive or negative. So, yeah, no, it's really great and um, I love it and I'm so happy. And Do you reckon you'll want to be a dad one day? Is that something you're interested in?
1: Um, yeah, the dad life could be good at a time, but it's interesting because a lot of my friends, amazing amount of my friends having baby buying house. Okay. And they're they're in that age group. And it's very similar to you Mm. where, um, you know, they have only great things to say, but they've also got incredible, (laughs) incredibly monotonous and annoying things to say about babies. And I, you know, where, where I can, I like to avoid, uh, mopping up species mm. where I can I like to avoid, you know, having to be home at all hours of the day yeah. uh, constantly yeah. or um, asking restaurants if I've got a high chair or we did a four forty
0: five you know. booking last week on a holiday in Noosa Ali Stars. And did you know that restaurants could give you a four forty five booking? Because I didn't until I, didn't I needed think they
1: one. They opened at four forty five. Oh
0: literally and you know what the funny thing is I rocked up because we were with my best friend, Violet, baby the same age, husband, six of us, rocked up at the restaurant. I was like, this is so early. And they were opening up, but then within seven minutes, there were like 10 prams. Like every family <laughs> had come down for their 4.45 booking. So I think uh, there is quite a lucrative market for it. And you don't stay long. Wow. So they would love it. Yeah. Like the, you know, Yes, it's loud for a bit, but no mm. family sitting there for two hours. You're there for a solid, very quick 30 to 40 minutes, eat the food and get on out of there. So mm. I guess it, it, it's a win-win. Ver- I think it'd be a good dad, though, because you're fun, you- but you're also emotionally stable. <laughs> you know, I've known you long enough to know that you are emotionally stable. I feel like you would be, you would nail it.
1: Oh, well, I'm sure emotional stability is not a prerequisite for dadding. It helps, um, though. Yes. <laughs> and that's yeah. why it's
0: good to wait because I am 35. I My first thing at mm. 35, which I feel is, you know, like, older it's normal now but you know compared mm. to la- the last generation and i feel like it's a good thing because you've done all the emotion or hopefully by 35 you've at least started You're the great. work you know to sort your yeah. shit out got over Absolutely. your issues and you know you've you realise that you're not perfect, and you know.
1: Well, until then, I'll just I'll write books for children instead of actually um, <laughs> making yeah. children for books. Two <laughs>
0: books start. now, mate. That's very impressive. <laughs> Congratulations!
1: Oh, uh, thank you very much. I got to tell you, the um, the writing a, a book for like three to six to seven to eight year olds is a lot easier than writing a book for twelve to eighteen year olds. A lot imagine. less words.
0: Less words. Um, but is it? Illustrator does a
1: lot of the he- heavy lifting. Fair you know, book. Laura Wood. Um, illustrated my book, Eric the Awkward Orc, and uh, did an incredible job. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to write a book in the Notes app on your phone. Like that's <laughs> – that's I recommend anyone. It uh, Seriously, just start writing some rhymes down that's for so a cute little good. story in the Notes app of your phone and then um, get on the hustle, see I what would, you can do.
0: I will definitely do that. Well, you – because I know you and I know that you are – as I said, emotionally very, you know, you got it sorted. But I can imagine there would be a propensity for awkwardness perhaps earlier on in life. Am I reading that? What makes you say (laughs) that, Ash? I
1: was completely confident in myself from the age of three years old. I had no insecurities. I wasn't absolutely excruciatingly shy for a lot of my life um no no there's plenty of growth to be had like (laughs) it was interesting a a lot of it came out when I was writing my um my first book about a 16 year old character and you just sort of have to put yourself in that mindset of Mm. like you being 16 I was like okay well what was going on when I was 16 and I just remember at that age it's the time where everything matters everything so much
0: everything is the most important thing in the world and everything will crumble if yeah
1: yeah. You just think about a glance that someone gave you or, or like walked away. And like I was I remember like trying to formulate bumping into someone at like walking out of class at the same time so you could uh. talk to them because you kind of like them, but then you didn't want to do all these things of just oh man, it was a uh, it was a wild time being a teenager,
0: isn't it? Wildest. Here's the thing though, I got it backwards. I was overconfident in my teens. Mm. And then developed anxiety in my late 20s, early 30s. And that's when I started second guessing things and overthinking and lying. Yes. But it's like I was so confident as a young person that I just thought I was the best and everything was going to turn out fine. It's weird. And I thought everyone was like yeah. that. And it's not so Are like you, all, you but... were able
1: to psychoanalyse yourself with uh, no uh, depl- degrees or diplomas? But what have, what have you, what
0: well, you have to? Well, I have got to four units of a psych degree that I started and then got pregnant and had to <laughs> defer. But yep. unfortunately the first four units are all just d- psychological statistics study, which is maths. Gotcha. And so I, I wanted to learn how to unpack all my childhood traumas and here we are learning about standard deviation. Not what I signed up for, <laughs> but alas. Um, yeah,
1: well, it it's, it sounds good. You may as well be um, to do a psychology degree. You may as well pay for your own degree rather than, you know, paying a therapist and pay off there. Exactly. I'll still pay the. Ther-
0: <laughs> I still pay the therapist, but I also wanted to pay for myself. Um, sort of yeah.
1: like the difference between buying and renting a property. Ain't
0: that the truth? Um- <laughs> and then I withdrew too late because I was pregnant and, you know, baby oh. brain. And then they were like, oh no, you have to pay us three and a half thousand dollars for this unit you didn't do. And I was like, Sounds I'm not like doing what that.
1: Adrian did to get the baby as well.
0: Hey, that that's why <laughs> Ew. Ew That's funny. That's good from you, Daiso. That's Sorry, why Ab. you graduated from awkward teenager <laughs> to one of the coolest dudes in Australia on the airwaves.
1: With, <laughs> oh well, you're very sex kind to say. jokes like
0: that.
1: My psychoanalysis that I've come up with recently is: um, I, I got bullied in primary school with this kid who just come up to me and just go. The kid is a year above me and goes, "Oh, shit. oh you're such a show off. You're oh. you're such a show off." And I don't, I don't, genuinely don't know what I was doing in order to get the show off, oh. but it happened over like a consistent period. And like you do when you're quite little, you go, "No, I'm not." And then oh. I sort of then had to, um, yeah, temper with it, whatever I did with trying to not appear oh. arrogant for, for so much. And so I think it worked out relatively well in that.
0: It was that bastard child that said that. Like, it also came, came it where I was sort of like
1: too... Um, reserved and i wouldn't you know be proud of my achievements as much i'd really self-depreciate too much and those kind of things and yeah it's interesting you go to america and you see everyone just like you know tell me about you you're like you're the best of those kind of things it's real la kind of isn't it so "Mm -hmm." true
0: you go there and everyone's just telling you about what they're up to they like like they're on the front foot whereas if you did that in australia people would be like you're a dickhead piss off
1: big old wanker there so but yeah I think there's a happy medium where you can be really proud of what you're able to do and achieve and the things you do you know even from day to day everyone measures success in their own way but being able to um yeah be really back yourself and be proud of things and not deliberately talk yourself down is something that yeah I realized I had to you know beat out of myself a little bit
0: yeah well it certainly stuck with you because one of the things I was thinking about today when I was thinking about this chat is the fact that You know, I have had the same job as you have had, you know, in a different station or network or whatever. But we've done similar things, worked in similar circles, music, radio, hosts, yada, yada, yada. And I feel like most people that do what we do, myself included, there has to be a certain amount of narcissism as a performer to kind of do it well. And that can sometimes, and it often does, I would hope to think that it hasn't for me, and it definitely hasn't for you, that sometimes can creep into asshole territory, but you have <laughs> never even gone near the border. You have <laughs> you haven't even gone to border town of that, and I wondered why. And perhaps it is thanks to that one shitty bully
1: <laughs> For helping me steer clear of that one. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what it is. I think. Well, I think. You know, you could be talking yourself out as well. You're all, you're very lovely and nice, and um, yeah, but I am not. There is, return. I know that. I know
0: the truest part of me that has had thoughts, or I go, "Fuck, I'm cool." Like, <laughs> you know, like I am. Oh, I've got it. Well, that's that's I'm what cool. I'm saying. You're
1: allowed to. You're allowed to think you're cool. You're allowed to be your own cheerleader. That's. I think that is wonderful, Ash. You don't have to apologise for that. That's great.
0: Thanks, man. Um, but I <laughs> imagine that in your work on Triple J. Um, and just being around that, because I was in commercial radio, so generally the mm. artists that would come into my studio were quite established, media trained, um, had nothing to prove, and also were a big network, so they knew better than to be, you know, like be a dickhead. But I imagine you would have had some dickheads in your studio and afterwards when they walk out <laughs> you look at Tom or look at Alex and just go, oh, and you don't oh, have to name well. names because we're not we don't have to be mm. those people, but I mean if you want to name names you can. <laughs> but we've been there, you know, and I've name had a couple name, of those yeah. We just go,
1: is yeah. Well, Triple J is such an incredible job. I think I think also keeping me humble, the Triple J text line, you know, if they're, of if they're not vibe, but oh not God, new. Of you know, Thank they God. they'll let you know, which I think could be different from the commercial networks where you don't have a the same listener. The feeling of yeah, ownership, the ownership of the station that Triple J has, you know, yeah. not simply from a taxpayer yeah. in that the taxpayers literally own Triple J, but also it's such a, um, such a cultural thing. Mm. It can become people's identities. You know, they're probably more Triple J tattoos.
0: Yeah. Um, I would get people that, like, loved an artist so much that if I said a bit of like once mm, I, you know, I right. like had Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I remember the yeah. story. <laughs> I mean, I, I have been massively <sighs> trolls by One Direction fans. But yeah. once I had like Ed Sheeran, um, who I adore, and I would maybe go as far as to say we are friendly, um, mm. I, I played an album track of his once called Supermarket Flowers. and I And the lyric was confusing and I was like, oh, like he's, because it's about someone dying, and I was like, "But his mom, mm. it talks about his mom, but his mum's alive. Oh, that, that confuses me. And mm-hmm. then someone tweeted me, they were like, you piece of shit, if you don't know that song's about his grandma, you don't deserve to have a radio show. Like, people get oh, fair when it's their yeah. artist. And I think maybe yeah. maybe the criticism you would get was if people just decided you were a dickhead, because mm. no one listens to Gible J because they're so obsessed with ex-artists that they want to hear the interview, you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's a bit yeah. different.
1: The weird dichotomy with that, they want the same thing that I want and that is for Triple J to be awesome, (laughs) you know, and they have different ideas as to how that would be. Unfortunately, undercutting the host's confidence in themselves (laughs) is the quickest way to have a really terrible show because they really question themselves. They play it super safe, Yeah, you know, they try to, not to go for their punchlines. They're Oof. like, "Oh, what can we do?" They're, and that's you can, the worst. Audibly nervous. Oh, the it's worst. It's a real self-perpetuating thing, and so yeah, you'd really um, hope that people could want the same thing and pull in the same direction as well. But occasionally, mm-hmm. also, it's it's good because I, I do recall an interview where it went quite badly, and I was thinking, "Oh no, like we're going to get slammed as hosts here," <laughs> you know, for having this. Bad interview with this big artist or whatever. Remember the text came in and was like, "Oh, those guys sounded like knobs." <laughs> how did you? Yes. How did you keep a straight face there, Matt and Alex? Are those dickheads? That you know? is so good. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Once you you do establish rapport, people people do understand. Yeah. you able to able to get um, get on board when potentially the the guests aren't as giving and as you know on the same page as, mm. as you.
0: And I think it is more obvious on radio because you don't have the visual distraction. So when you are literally mm. in your car just listening to a conversation and the person mm. that you are with, like we had um, once, but it wasn't a bad interview, Kevin Hart came f- with Tiffany Haddish for a um, a junket and it was like at our station we would have like the drive show and then all the breakfast shows and mm. we'd all like seven of us in a row would just and they'd sit in the <laughs> same chairs and smash through them. And the whole time, Kevin Hart sat there playing poker on his phone.
1: Playing poker on his phone. Originally, I thought you meant Pokemon.
0: Pokemon Go, <laughs> looking for Charizard. Kevin either? Hart and Pokemon <laughs> Go, man? And he just didn't make eye contact with anybody. Mm. And then every, mm. like, second or third question, he would choose to be involved and to say something and just made Tiffany Haddish carry it all. Mm. But he was so, like... I've never loved anyone more. I was like, he—it wasn't rude. Like for some reason, yeah. if anyone else did that, I was like, I'd be like, what a rude asshole. Because it was yeah. Kevin Hart, and because like every now and then he would b- pretend to care, and yeah. on the and listening, you'd never know because no one, yeah. you, know, you couldn't tell he was playing poker. But he played poker for a solid hour, and there's like fifteen minders, and everyone was just ignoring the fact that he was sitting there playing online poker.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It's quite similar to one of our most famous interviews where um, Chris Rock was doing the rounds and came into the Triple J Studios, which is a pretty good get rather than us yeah. having to go to the hotel room. It's like he came in, but it was very much, it, he'd been on everything and I could have so much sympathy for someone who has done the same thing, same questions, you know, yeah. going through every time. He's coming there, he's just like, yeah, not really answering the question, looking around the room until I happen to mention in conversation with no real as to what I'm doing. He's like, oh, because Matt does stand up like yourself, And
0: and then he immediately,
1: you hear, see his eyes snap over to Matt O'Kine he's like, really? You do stand up? And it's like something excre- incredibly interesting all of a sudden to him wow. that he hadn't really talked about. And Matt, you know, um, maybe we'd had a chat before about sticking up yourself and being your own cheerleader. He said, yeah, I do it. And Chris Rock says, you any good? And he says, I'm really good. Yes! <laughs> And Chris Rock's like, wait, like, really good? Because you're talking to me. Back and forth, where I suddenly, as the host, only had to do the natural progression. It was like, well, we better get some and play and see if this is true. And uh, Chris listened to it. And the video went viral because it was that real uh, Simpsons thing where you can pinpoint the moment where his heart <laughs> breaks. <out and> stuff. <laughs> like, there was... Chinese um, newspapers writing about this. Wow. It was at the Glasgow Times, you know, this uh, Chris Rock interaction
0: with the breakfast group. So and there's and no better it. feeling than when you have that kind of an interview and the artist and like the team leave and it's just you and maybe a producer and your co host and that energy is in the room where you know you've nailed it or you've got a moment or you broke through. Well, that is a yeah, like we- crack.
1: I think I think it was a pre-record we didn't realise how big it was going to be it was just sort huh. of fortuitous yeah. because otherwise it would have been you know another in the long line of the Chris Rock I think Lee Sales interviewed him on 730 yeah. like he was on everything it was probably just going to be another addition to that but through a you know a little quirk of fate it ended up being a massive one potentially at the expense of Matt O'Kind's ego but <laughs>
0: it's a small <laughs> but price good on to pay him. he did it well a, because how a, boring really yeah, if it just been and, like oh no no I'm not, just a little bit it's not a big deal let's move on boring
1: and that's why he's Such an incredible co-host to work with because he is he is willing to put himself, his body, his reputation on the line for uh, for a lot of these moments, and um, yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why he's he's such a really good he's a really good broadcaster. Mm.
0: And lastly, while we're talking about this, and before we move on, because this is the Mm. question that I get asked every day of my life: Mm. Who is your favorite person to interview?
1: My favorite person to interview.
0: Um, And it doesn't have to be like some famous person because sometimes it's it's the normal people that you think and they come in and you have a chat with them and you realise that you love them and then you become a fan. There's so many. I mean, there's
1: so many great ones. When you're talking about. People being assholes in the studio, it's such a rare occurrence. And I think because we talked to so it's many true. Australian musicians as well, the Australian music industry, and you'd know this better than anyone, Ash, is such they're full of so many lovely people. Yeah. And so talking to like bands who are sort of breaking through triple J at the same time. I was sort of starting yeah. off 21 and years old stoked. when I started. These young bands are coming on, like always love catching up with these people who are just excited to be as yeah. just as excited as you were to be there and just get to know them as over the journey. I've got a new yeah. album. I was interviewed your last album. It's you cool. New one. So fans like Ballpark Music and, you know, Boy and Barrett Art versus Science and um, artists like Amy Shark and mm. those kind of things are just like uh, are really great. Um, as far as like super big memorable ones, I remember we interviewed the guy who, uh, his name is Aaron Ralston and he was from the, he, they based a movie on him from 127 Hours. Where Ooh, James Franco James cutting
0: his arm off with a pen.
1: In a get stuck in a valley for <gasps> days, that his arm movie. stuck behind a rock, and oh, he had to movie. do a performer self amputation in order to get out of there. And the actual dude came in with his, it was like a um, mechanical <sighs> arm. And we just talking to someone who'd been through that, and you'd just come from watching a movie. So you're like, how is this going to go? And he found him a super giving interview. Um, oh, I accept. Right. I think I, I, I it's one of those times where you I do, I don't mean to say anything and I think I stand by what I said because it was I don't think it was that bad a Freudian slip. But you know, when you come in for an interview like we're here with Aaron Ralston. um, we're gonna go to a song and we'll be back with him in a moment. And um I'm pretty sure when we came back, I'm like, uh, and we're here, Aaron Ralston has stuck around with us and I think he said, Oh yeah, boom tish. Something like stuck around I was like, No, I don't I mean you like stuck in a canyon no, stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. but everyone's like oh I die so you're stuffed Yo, up so like, oh, but he was off. really nice he was really nice and even like afterwards he was talking to the web team and just like so i think cool. he, was, he was just as you know baffled to be on you know yeah. in australia doing radio interviews as this is where his life has led him oh, as anyone else um but i remember chatting to lana del rey one time this was a oh, really weird one where i've never
0: chatted to her
1: she was great but it was weird because i was waiting at the hotel this is one of the hotel ones usually oh, you know gosh. the ones that you do where they're in a room, yeah. and you've got two cameras. There's like fifteen Junker people star. around oh. you. The lights are in your face. You walk in. Toshie's in before you, and Carl <laughs> Sandelins is coming in afterwards. So and true. so you're there. But it was it was sort of early on, and I was waiting downstairs, and they're like, "Oh, you just head up to a. Um, actually, she's called a chat upstairs. If you want to head up, and I'm like, "Oh, cool." So I go upstairs, and then it was just the hotel room that she was staying in. And then her manager was whatever, all right, yeah, 15, 20 minutes, they'll be fine. And so I just hung out with Lana Del Rey in
0: hotel room cool. and
1: she did a tour of the whole thing. And yeah, it was, um, she was really lovely and, and great.
0: I once had the opposite experience, and I won't say the artist, um, hmm. but solo female artist. And I had to go to Queenstown to do the interview because they weren't coming to Australia. So I got flown to Queenstown. Oh. To yeah, pretty cool, to this hotel and we're at the hotel and I'm ready to go. I got, you know, the camera. No, well, they, it already said no camera, just audio. So, no, so I had my two little USB mics set up. Yep. And then the um, label came in and said she's just decided she doesn't want to do it face-to-face. And I was like, right, so what would you like to do? So they're like... She's in a hotel room next door, so we're going to get you to call her room on the hotel phone and then we'll take this microphone and she can hold it and you can just talk to her down the phone but you'll both hold your (laughs) microphones and record. And I was just like so a phoner that I could have just stayed home to do. Australia, And not float internationally for one night. Okay. (laughs) No, And, of course, I nailed the interview at the end. of yeah, the like, well, oh, I wish we'd sure. done it in person. So professional.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I, um, I mean, it is yeah. one of the greatest
0: things about the, the works that we've gotten to do over the years is we've got hmm. great stories.
1: Well, yeah, the interesting one is I had a lot of non-stories, you know, working at Triple J, occasionally I remember finding out six months after the fact that someone just drops. He's like, oh yeah, that, that time they wanted you to go to New York to interview Hugh Jackman. I'm like, sorry, oh what was, what was that?
0: And you know like oh that
1: they we're going to fly you and Tom Ballard to um New York and you're going to go for a meet and greet with Hugh Jackman around Manhattan or whatever. So for like, a movie But we movie. had but obviously, oh. you know, Triple J Independent we can't be accepting kind of offers like that from from companies and you're oh like, God. "Oh."
0: And that's why I never worked at Triple J, yeah.
1: <laughs> it is really great to have, you know, a, a resource in Australia that is super independent like that and able to do those kind of things. Nah, it thing. stuff but that. The amount of I'm platinum Qantas him. for
0: life, bro, because of all the business class long-haul trips I got to take on the company's dime. That's right. I would be turning in massages as part of my per diem, like, you know, refunds, and my boss would be like, this, there's four massages from a week in LA, and I'd be like, yeah, and you're going to pay me back for it, bitch, and oh they God. did the best. Like, I would last 20 seconds oh at Triple J. It'd be no good. Um, okay, so you've had this, yes. you know, in the biography, in the biopic biopic film of Alex Dyson's life, we're now at the time when. Played by
1: Willem Dafoe, yep.
0: Obviously. <laughs> duh, that's actually a great, I mean, an older Dyson played by Willem Dafoe makes a lot of sense to me and I'm here for that. Um, you could obviously I'll play. play a your, you pro, could play yeah. a, a teenage self because you still look like a teenager. You'd be able to play yourself from like seven to thirty before William yeah, takes over. <laughs> um, you've already had one crack at it, and now you're going. You're going back for more. Although yeah. I, I do get the sense that your first crack at politics was somewhat rushed and last minute, and now you're being a bit more organised about it.
1: Was a little bit rushed. Yeah, yeah.
0: but I, I don't mean rushed in a bad way. I just mean. It seems like you've got more of a plan this time around. Like you can,
1: say, you can say Rush in a bad way, literally announcing whilst DJing in my hotel, hometown of Warnable at midnight, hey, guys, I'm running for parliament so I need 100 signatures whilst I'm playing these fat beats, come up the front and sign this Australian Electoral Commission form. Is that true? So that I can, yeah. Because you need 100 people that. to sign it. You need a hundred people from That's the electric the to sign it. And I had this drunk dude. I had no idea. He was about 18. He's like, dude, do you want me to go and try and get some signatures for you? And I'm like, bro, DJing there, bro, that'd be awesome. Could you go <laughs> and do that? And he goes around and gets all these signatures. And oh yeah, gosh. people don't have a clue what they're signing. It Yolo. almost brought me undone because I handed it in on the Tuesday, like basically after the, that long weekend that I was yeah. DJing on the Tuesday morning, I think it was around Easter, handed it in. Paid my two thousand dollar deposit, which is what you got to do if you want to run as an independent or any party or whatever. It's just make sure you're not taking the piss too much. Uh, give it a little bit of a risk there, um, which you get back if you get four percent of the vote. But anyway, I chucked it in, and then they called me up with about half an hour till the cut off, which was midday. It's like you're, there's a few ineligible's. Um, signatures on here is probably because it was smudged with beer stains or <laughs> these random kids who didn't, know, didn't have yeah. a clue what they awesome. were doing. So you're going to need uh, probably about 11 more. And I had to run around quickly and Warrnambool was like, can you sign this? Right into a friend's mum. Can you sign yes. this, please? And got it in with about eight minutes to spare. Amazing. Um, and then did about a three-week campaign where I um, ran for parliament and got my deposit back. I, I was about to say, did you vote, get your fo- not four? That's,
0: what percentage did you get?
1: About 10.5% what? of the vote. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: So surely you're going into it this time thinking I could at least get twenty.
1: Well, this time I'm going to aim for the twenties. Yeah, definitely aim for the twenties. Try and double it up a little bit, and it's been great so far. I've been just spending every you know every opportunity I can heading around to the different parts of the electorate, and I'm running in Southwest Victoria, and it's massive electorate goes huge. all the way from the South Australian border with Victoria all the way up to uh, Anglesey, which is. About that's an pretty much a bit from Melbourne That's
0: nothing that's like pop out there for the weekend that's a huge electorate how many people are in the electorate
1: uh, over a hundred thousand now I think yeah <laughs> it was recently redistributed to so be a little bit bigger but um yeah so I've been going around netting to Hamilton Portland's Colac, if you've been there I've, I've been on on Wednesday oh, love lawn, um, which lawn is great I love because I spent there. a lot of my childhood there um, do they still have the amazing
0: um, burger place bottle of milk at lawns that's still yeah oh yeah,
1: there? Oh, oh, yeah. you know I've heading straight oh. there. <laughs> no, I, I know
0: you are. Was there a straw that broke the camel's back moment? Because it's not a, it's not like a you know obvious transition. You know, given that you still are very much a part of the you know Australian media landscape, to then go, and you have to move there. You know, it's not. It's, it's
1: yeah, very different. A couple, it's a big thing. A couple of straws. Um, I, alongside a lot of people, were pretty annoyed when I think the then treasurer. Scott Morrison held up a lump of coal in parliament mm. and waved that around. And there was photos of that going around. And I'm just thinking that is not going to age well no, it <laughs> so isn't. in 20, uh, when was it about 18, 19, when he did that? Um, I was pretty annoyed with that. And I was thinking about, you know, the future when that photo yeah. would be, you know, held up as a, you know, a warning sign as to yeah. what was going on this there. This is the moment it all
0: went wrong. <coughs> yeah, I
1: didn't want to just complain about that or tell my grandkids it's like, yeah, I was around when that happened. Mm. I was pissed off. And then, and then in my mind, my hypothetical grandchildren asked, Well, granddad, you're emotionally stable. What did you do? <laughs> and and I didn't want to just go, Oh, well
0: Granted on Twitter.
1: I wrote a mean tweet about yeah. <laughs> about it at the time. Yeah. I thought in order to do something like that, I might have to run. So that was a bit of a seed. And then when I saw the person who I'm running against at this election, uh, the current member, Dan Teen, who's the Minister for Trade at the moment, he was the one, and full credit to him for fronting up, because no one else did, but he was the one who went on 7.30 report when Scott Morrison rolled Malcolm Turnbull, Mm. who in turn had rolled Tony Abbott, after they said, vote for us because Labor are a mess and we're strong and stable. And he fronted up on the day that this second Liberal knifing off the back of another three Labor mm. knifings had happened. And I'm disillusioned with everyone at this point. And Lee Sayles asked him, you know, Australia's woken up with another Prime Minister. It was like seven in eight years yeah. or something like that. Why? She just asked why. And he said, oh, well, Lee, um, because that's the decision the party room has decided to take.
0: And I just thought. "This is not good enough. It's that's not good just,
1: enough. It's not good enough. No. These people. <laughs> who cannot talk with a modicum of authenticity and go, and just go there and go, you're right. It's fucked. Basically the polls are bad and we needed to do something, you know.
0: Why don't politicians learn that? That all they need to do is it's okay to say we have fucked this up. It's not good enough. it's The party's broken. We need a better way.
1: The way that both parties are saying that the other one is the worst in the world to ever happen, it's going to be massive debt and, We'll have low interest rates in, under them and they're both saying the same things about each other. And then when it comes to something as crucial as that, because at that point I was 30 years old and mm. I hadn't voted in an election where a prime minister had lasted, lasted. the full yeah, term. me neither. You know? And so I was so annoyed that I ran the first time around and then I was so buoyed by not only the actual result but the conversations I had with people who mm. were just like, yes, we need someone better, like particularly an independent candidate who doesn't have to get up and just yeah. talk like a robot. <laughs> Because the party needs them to, the worst you know, part. deflect from what is actually going on behind the scenes. Do you reckon they all hate so, their lives?
0: Surely a lot of them would have gotten into it because they really did want to make a difference. And at this point they're just like, oh,
1: I think God. some of them. I think some of them did, <laughs> for sure. Some. I think some of them also enjoyed the power of being yeah. able to be there. Some of them it's because their parents did it. Some of them, mm. you know, there's all sorts of reasons. You're right. There is, and from just even running a, a legitimate campaign, pain this time around it's a lot of work and so you do yeah. respect the ways they're doing and you do have to really readjust your expectations as to what um is defined as progress because it is such a thing of negotiation things get yeah. watered down enough but i am currently enthusiastic enough and there's maybe blindly so that uh, i think that there can be a better way and with the amount of independence running all around australia at this point i think there's a really great chance Mm. that um there'll be some legislation passed pretty quickly and suddenly if you've got this you know crossbench of independence every vote becomes a conscious vote
0: yeah you know rather
1: than blocks of people (sighs) having to decide on these things
0: we had uh senator larissa waters on the podcast last season who was a legend she also i think was her third run that she got in so mm-hmm. you're going to better it and you're going to get second and I'm, I'm going to claim second. that it is the Ash London podcast
1: blessing London that effect.
0: has been bestowed upon you.
1: Yeah. I don't think it good. Would you run? Would
0: you run? Oh, the hell phone, no. Ash? No, no, no. Why not? I, oh, no, because I, no, 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 no. I don't like Canberra, first of all. Not for me. <laughs> not, but you do get that Chairman's Lounge, right? which I'm into. The idea, right. to take care of you. I did, however, um, just last night. I was up at like the baby had woken up in the middle of the night and I was lying there and I signed up to hand out how to vote cards at the next wow, federal election. Great. That's as far yeah. as I'm going to go because well, I had the same awesome. thought. Like I hate Scott Morrison so much, <laughs> like so much that – and I, I do not believe he can win the next selection. Hey, but if he does, you love,
1: you love live music. Scott Morrison is a live he, musician now. Why I mean, why didn't that win no, you over? I
0: couldn't watch sixty minutes. I could. I first of all, I didn't want to give them the not that I have a ratings box, but I didn't want to give them the, the rating. And yeah. also,
1: well, not many people did it. They, I haven't most checked. people dropped off after Maps, oh, after God. Married at First Sight. It was he's a lot less too than the week cringe before. for yeah. me.
0: I yeah. especially because I grew up in a church, the same kind of church that he mm. is part of. I just know too much. Like I just know. I could I could write mm. you his beliefs in a twenty point list, and he's
1: seen the sausages being made in the back yes, room. <laughs>
0: and it's you know I so I'll be the mm. person because I I don't know about you, but um, every time I vote, I cry. It is this Aww. weird thing that happens to me. Where I get so like overwhelmed at like democracy and community mm-hmm. and that people would come out and spend their day volunteering because I, I'm crying, mm. I get teary now. But I'm not mm. that I don't know what it is, but I get the you know that little Well, you're I get right. That. And
1: I, I I feel exactly what you feel because it is such a um such a great thing to be able to do and it's a remarkably powerful thing. You know, a lot of people are rightfully disillusioned that you know it doesn't make a difference because even if you do vote for change and that. The prime minister will get ousted or whatever mm. from, from those kind of things. But you can't, you can't let the, the politicians, you know, get you down yeah. because it is the best method we have to send them a message either every three years. It's the least you can do. You don't have to go and do the votes. Yeah. You don't have to do that. But if you have a look at a candidate that aligns with a few of your values and it's slightly better than the other people, it's never going to be perfect, unfortunately. No. But um, by just taking your vote seriously and voting formally and getting it in there and potentially telling a friend it's like i've had a look at it you know trust me this is this is going to be good by um having those kind of conversations and yeah not just going through the motions and potentially just going the same way your parents have gone because it's a big one voting like particularly young people just speeding up the change because it's it's interesting how many changes are inevitable
0: yeah so true
1: but there's just so much delay 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 before we get there when it comes in you're like Oh thank God, we just move on to other things. True. you know, you just you just move on.
0: If you let's say you know you're writing the, the Alex Dyson utopian future of Australia, what does it look like?
1: Um, being nice to people, I really I would really like like that to happen, and um, that's something I'm really trying to do. You don't want to get mm. caught in the comment sections and start, yeah. you know. Yelling at each other over things because I think deep down, you know, the, we we have a lot of the same values, and yeah. we, we can approach them in different ways. But the the person who wants the coal mine to stay open, mm. it's, in my view, because they work there, they get paid from that job and they have a child that they want to buy a meal for with their wage. And the person who wants to shut it, it's probably because they have a child Mm. and they want that child to have as stress-free and as prosperous a life as possible and can see the trajectory that we're going on. And we need to stop that from happening. It's not because that person wants the coal miner to lose their job. It's like, no, no, we could, these these fixes don't have to be one or the other and it's annoying that the politicians go all these mines are going to close it's going to be lost of jobs it's like no no one wants that let's transition them into other jobs and we've shown what what we can do when there's a big issue that we can throw money at Mm -hmm. you know if we you know make it yeah if we decide to do it and I think yeah being nice and understanding where people are coming from and not allowing the sensationalism to to sleep us up and start yelling at each other in comment sections and you know distracting from a couple of the um the really important issues I think is a, a really great that's thing. Really, that's so, a that's
0: a great answer.
1: So maybe I'll just do I'll just do yeah. Let's,
0: that covers let's it all, really. That'll
1: be the utop that'll be the utopia. And listen to the experts, and that includes you know climate scientists. And that includes a farmer who's on the farm and his mm. electricity bill is out of control. Yeah, you know, and, and has, has been there working for a very long time and these kind of things. It's like I'm not going to tell a mechanic how to fix my car because I've got no idea, <laughs> you know. So I'd listen to them just as much as I'd listen to an epidemiologist to tell us how we do that. Like, you trust people. Mm. People are at their, at their heart good and, um, yeah, the things that they've put a, a lot of time and effort into, into doing that they know what they're talking about. So yeah.
0: Well, I love you, Daiso, and I don't want to see love you, you too, Ash. playing any songs on any ukuleles on any current affairs shows in the near or oh, the bad. distant future, all right?
1: the benefits of coming out of breakfast radio is all my embarrassing videos are <laughs> up there. They're all ready to go. They've been viewed. They've, <laughs> everyone's made their judgments and it's onto the new fresh, it's very uh, good. fresh material. So uh, I could rather than try and make myself, you know, as zany as possible, I can now. I'm now going to convince people that I'm more serious than uh, they might think I am. So um, oh, I'm looking forward to, to
0: that. I'm believing for more than twenty percent. I'm cheering you on. <laughs> Whew, I wish. I wish I lived in Anglesey for more reasons than <laughs> just being able to vote for you. I do love Anglesey. Um, once a walked in on my husband and I in Anglesey. Yeah, I don't know if she knew what we were doing, but we anyway. That is my big takeaway oh. from Anglesey. Mm. Anyway, so oh, okay. You ever go to the day spa <laughs> on the corner? and I think it's a okay. hotel has a day spa.
1: I need, yeah. I'll, I'll understand why but they make a know. big point of knocking
0: Yeah. Knock, uh, knock, before they come in. in. Knock, knock. Yeah. Didn't hear her. <laughs> anyway, Alex Dyson, you're an absolute legend. Thank you for making time. I kept you Thank way you, too London. long and good luck. Cheering you on always. Woo, let's do it. If by any chance you live in the Wannan electorate, first of all, what a place to live. Second of all, chuck him a vote, would ya? I genuinely so enjoyed being part of that conversation with Daiso. I hope you did too. Good luck, Daiso. Give him hell. If you have any feedback, thoughts, suggestions, or just want to have a chat, you can hit me up anytime. Hello at ash.london. Audio production on the podcast is by Dom Evans.